morning we'll be reading together out of the book of 2 Corinthians, and we'll be reading chapter 12. If you're following along in your own Bibles, we're going to read at verses 6 through 10, uh, or you can follow along on the screens behind me. Let us receive God's word for us this morning. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can be seated. Will you pray with me? Lord, our God, you have incredible truths for us in your word this morning. So incredible, Lord, that that we need you to come and teach us. Come and speak to us, Lord. I want you to just take a moment in your seat to open your heart to God and ask him, Lord, what do you want to teach me this morning? We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, I hate... To be weak. Uh, I hate when people perceive me as weak. I hate the feeling of being weak. I hate losing. I hate being embarrassed. I hate the idea of not being good enough for some task or someone. When I was a toddler, uh, I still hated this. My mom one day, I was around two years old, my mom decided it was time for me to learn how to uh, not use the bathroom in a diaper and use the bathroom in a toilet. Uh, And so she put me in my big boy underwear. So exciting. And, uh, And she made sure I knew that the goal was to use the toilet to go to the bathroom, not my underwear, by promising me the reward of one single M&M if I went to the bathroom in the toilet. Uh, There was actually a scenario in which I could get two M&Ms, but I will leave that up to your imagination. And so um, I went about my day, as any toddler does, for wearing underwear for the first time. Uh, and I promptly proceeded to wet my pants. I had an accident. 
And uh, brothers and sisters, that is not the goal. That does not get you two M&Ms, much less even one M&M. No M&Ms for going to the bathroom in your underwear. Guess how many more times I failed at this? Zero more times. I was a one-and-done potty trainer. <laughs> Never again did I intentionally use my underwear to go to the bathroom. I always used the toilet from then on out. Sure, I had moments where I was distracted with a toy. All kids have accidents throughout their childhood. But I was trained to use the toilet as an adult. And since then, I have been playing this game that we all play, which is try to only go to the bathroom in the places you're supposed to. Fast forward about 22 years. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. I see some of you doing the math. I'll just make it easy for you. I'm 26. This story that I'm about to tell you, um, around 24 years old. Um, now, don't jump to conclusions. You don't know what happens in this story. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was working as a facilities manager at a church called Faithbridge. Uh, and Faithbridge has a very large property, lots of grass, uh, and the grass has plenty of uh, sprinklers, a very massive irrigation system to keep the grass healthy and green. Um, and we had a little timer box where we could, in one place, control all of the sprinklers across the property with just a few clicks of a button. But one day, this timer box uh, broke down. And so it was the heat of the summer, the grass had to be watered, uh, and so we had to go around to each valve that would control a set of a few sprinklers, a few zones, um, and turn it on and off manually. The problem was we did not know which valve controlled which zone, and so I was given a task. Go out, turn on each valve, see what zone of sprinklers it controls, and label it. Uh, and so I commenced this task, heat of the summer, drinking lots of water, staying hydrated. And, uh, and I worked for many hours, and I came to uh, a realization after several hours. Two realizations, actually. The first was that I only had three more valves to test. The second realization uh, is that I really had to go to the bathroom. Um, but I wasn't necessarily close, necessarily close to a bathroom, and I also really just wanted to finish. I only had three more. I'd, I'd labeled 40, 50 zones already. I, I could do three more. Come on. I'm strong. So I pushed through. You know those movie scenes where there's a kid who has to go to the bathroom, maybe like in the car, and their friends are around, and the friends are whispering in his ear, Waterfalls. A slow trickling stream. I always thought that was bogus. Just, just have a stronger willpower to not let that affect you. These sprinklers were having an effect on me, <laughs> brothers and sisters. But through a combination of dancing, incredible speed, and sheer force of will, I completed two of the final three, leaving one left. You can do anything just one more time, right? Uh, and so I'm working on this final sprinkler, working to label it. 
And I just had that moment where you're like, well, it's over. There's nothing I can do anymore. It's, it's useless to fight. But I threw my clipboard in one direction, my Sharpie in another, and I took off in a dead sprint for the nearest building with a bathroom. But it was, it was useless. With dismay in my heart, I had an accident as a 24-year-old. I don't have to tell you how painfully embarrassing it was to call my coworker on the phone from the bathroom of the East Building. Hey, Rob, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I know you have a walkie-talkie, and I do too. Yeah, but there's there's five or six other people on this channel. I just wanted to have a private conversation with you. You know, I'm, we're good friends. Yeah, so I need a favor. Could you? go out to my car and get my backpack and bring it to me in the east bathroom? No, I can't go get it myself. I, you know, I was working on those sprinklers and I had an accident. No, no, the, the sprinklers did not spray me. Um, yeah, I just need you to bring that change of clothes. I wet my pants. <laughs> it was terrible. It's a terrible thing to be forced to be exposed as too weak to do something. And I hated it. I hated telling you guys, uh, but I felt it was necessary. In today's passage, Paul says that he boasts gladly in his weaknesses. He boasts gladly in his weaknesses. This is just ludicrous. Think about the culture we live in. This culture does not allow for weakness to be glorified. In fact, if you look around you in this community, you will see countless people who their whole mission in life is to have everything together, to look like they have everything together, to look like they have a nice car, a nice house, a nice family, Nobody fights in this family. We don't have tears. We don't have pain. Everything's fine. You see it when you, when you greet people, uh, when you see them for the first time in the morning. You go into work. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You might not be good. But our culture doesn't allow for weakness to be exposed, um, it's, it's too uncomfortable. And yet Paul says he boasts gladly in his weaknesses. So this should stick out to us, that Paul is willing to boast of his weaknesses. The beginning of that statement, which is the second half of verse 9, he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. When you see the word therefore, you know that whatever was before that statement is the reason for whatever's coming after that word. Does that make sense? When you see therefore, it means that whatever was before therefore is the reason for whatever's after therefore. And so we need to look at why he's willing to boast in his weakness. We'll start in verse 7. In the second half of verse 7, Paul says, Therefore, 
in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth that he actually planted, and he's having a moment of vulnerability with them. And he says, I have a thorn in my flesh, something that drives me crazy, something that pains me, something that irritates me. He even says it's a messenger of Satan sent to torment me. Pretty challenging stuff. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He doesn't like this thorn. He doesn't like this pain. And he pleads with God to remove the thorn from his flesh. Verse 9, God says something to Paul that is so incredible. God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul says, I have this great thorn, this weakness, this problem, this pain, and I don't like it. I don't like to feel this way. But God says, even with that, my grace is sufficient for you because or, or for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then verse 10, uh, then the second half that says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. Paul is boasting gladly because God's power is perfected in that weakness. What was Paul's thorn? Well, he doesn't actually tell us. Um, Paul, in verse 10, he paints with a broad brush, and he says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties. He paints with a broad brush, and I think it's intentional that he doesn't tell us what his thorn was, what his weakness was, because if he did, only a few of us would be able to relate to it. Instead, he paints with a broad brush. Paul was really persecuted in his ministry for Jesus. But most of us don't face much persecution. If Paul's thorn was the countless beatings, whippings, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked multiple times, he was imprisoned. If that was Paul's thorn, we would read this and it wouldn't be that special to us because we would say, God's grace is sufficient for us if we are faced with such great persecution. You see what I'm saying? Instead, Paul says he's satisfied in persecutions. It says even he delights in persecutions, but it also says in weakness, in hardships, in difficulties. Brothers and sisters, I think we all have weakness, hardship, difficulties. We all have thorns. I'll tell you about one of mine. In 2015, um, I'm married now to my wife, Kelsey. At the time in 2015, we were dating. Um, and I was pretty quick off the draw, uh, one month in, and I was very confident that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with Kelsey. 
she was not so confident that she wanted to spend the rest of her life with me. And, um, and I almost blew it. Uh, sometimes I come on strong, I guess. I, I like to say what I'm feeling. And, uh, and, but she stayed with me, even though she wasn't where I was at. Um, and we dated uh, for several months. And, and at the four-month mark, which, gosh, that felt like it had been a long time. felt like a substantial relationship at this time. It's really not, in hindsight. Four months is so short. Um, but at the four-month mark... I was thinking, okay, well, maybe by now she knows that she wants to be with me and be married. Um, and I got invited at the four-month mark on the Browning family vacation. That's a big deal. I had not been in any relationship before Kelsey, and so I, I had heard that that was a big deal, but I had never experienced what that was like. Um, but I, I was thinking to myself, optimist that I am, okay, I, I think this is a really good sign. I think she's catching up to where I am. She knows where I'm at. She knows I'm further along than her. If she's going to invite me on this vacation, she must be saying, yeah, I'm, I'm getting closer to where you're at. So we go on this vacation, uh, and we're having a great time. One of the days that, that we're there, um, she says to me, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about. And uh, oftentimes, that's one of the scariest things that someone can say to you. In this moment, I was so optimistic about my situation with Kelsey that I thought, okay, here it comes. She's about to drop her love on me. <laughs> and uh, I said, sure, let's talk. She said, I really, uh, I really enjoy spending time with you. I said, mm, thank you. She said, I think you're a really great guy. I was like, keep going. And she said, but, but, um, I'm still not where you're at. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to spend my life with you. I'm not sure if I want to get married. Um, and we've been dating for a while. Again, this is where four months now seems like so short, but at the time it seemed like a while. She said, we've been dating for a while, um, and I know you're further along than me, um, and so I just felt like I needed to share with you that, that I'm not there. Um, but I am willing to keep dating and, and give it some more time if you want to, but I felt like I needed to, to tell you that. And I was like, you going to tell me that on the family vacation? What is going on? Uh, that's not what I said. I said, okay. Um, thank you for telling me that. And, uh, and we just, I said, let's just have a good time, the vacation. That's okay. I'm willing to keep dating and give it some more time to you. And I didn't know how much that comment from her was going to affect me at the time, um, but later that night, we were at, uh, at the rodeo, and, uh, and I was sitting there among thousands of people, and I had one of the most profound experiences with God I've ever had. <clears throat> I was looking out at the crowd, and it was like all of a sudden God dropped a new pair of glasses on my face. 
And I saw all these people that were so overjoyed at seeing their face on the Jumbotron, so excited about these bull riders. And they weren't giving God a second thought, most of them. And I got a little taste of the kind of love that God had, has for those people. And God's love for them and for you is so deep that it overwhelmed me. And I just began to weep at the rodeo, feeling the kind of love that God has for those people. It was amazing. And, uh, and as I continued to scan the arena, my eyes fell on Kelsey to my right. And I saw her with the same eyes. And God planted a seed. I thought I loved her before that moment. God planted a seed of love in my heart for Kelsey that was so strong, spiritual, the kind of love, at least a taste, that he has for her. And it was just hours after she told me that she wasn't sure if she was going to give me the chance to love her that way. And this, this broke my heart. This was a thorn in my side. And day after day, I would wake up, family vacation's over, I'm back to work. And I would go to work, and I would just be consumed with pain. Because I would see her, and I would, I would feel that love for her. And I would just be thinking about the fact that it's not promised to me that, that I will get to love her that way. And I was asking God, why did you give me this? Why did you give me this right after she said she didn't love me? And I, after spending about a week uh, in misery, I, I sought the Lord. And each morning I would get up early and I would spend time with my Jesus. And I would pray and I would read his word. And I would feel that his grace was going to be sufficient for me that day. And I could make it through the day. And I sought the Lord this way day after day. Uh, and then I missed a day, and I had a terrible, terrible day. And so I, back at it the next day, I sought the Lord. Until finally I came to a place where one morning I told God, Okay, God, if it's just you and me the rest of my life, I will be satisfied. I will be satisfied. And uh, it was just a couple of weeks later that, uh, that Kelsey and I had the conversation where we we were on the same page, um, and we've been married for, for three years. 
I had this thorn. And I think God sent it to me on purpose. So that I would get to a place where I could be satisfied in him before he gave me healthy. Because if he didn't, Maybe Kelsey would have become an idol for me. Maybe I would be satisfied with nothing less than Kelsey God, kind of satisfying. Kelsey, fully satisfying, but not really. But rather, God gave me that season of pain so that I would get to a place where God was my satisfaction. And Kelsey was just a gift. You have hardships and difficulties too. And I'm not saying that whatever thorn you're thinking of, whatever hardship you're thinking of, whatever difficulty you're thinking of in this moment, your weakness, I'm not saying that God has sent it to you. I want to be clear about that. I'm also not saying that God will or will not take it away. I'm not saying that it'll wind up a happy ending of how you you want it to be. But I am going to encourage you. I'm reminded of Romans 8.28 where God says, uh, where Paul says, that we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Oftentimes we read that and we think, well, that's just not true because things are not good with me in this hardship. And so I present to you a deeper consideration of verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 12. God says to Paul and to you, my grace is sufficient for you, even with your weakness, even with whatever thorn it is you're thinking of right now. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm not saying your thorn is from God, but I am issuing you an invitation. An invitation to consider your thorns, your hardships, with a new perspective. How much power does God have? What if you embraced your weakness with open arms because you knew it was the circumstance in which God's power could be made perfect? Think about that for a minute. God doesn't have any weakness. And yet the circumstance in which his power is made perfect is weakness. He has designed us to be the circumstance, the garden in which his power can grow to its full realization brothers and sisters if we believe this it will change everything you will not look at your thorns the same way you will with Paul be able to boast gladly in weakness 
because you are fully satisfied in God's perfect power. Our weakness makes room in our hearts for God's power to come through. What is your thorn? I know you all have one. I know you all have many. This day, meet with God and ask him to give you a new perspective. Ask him to show you just maybe how that weakness could be for his glory in your good. Even if you never experience it in this life. Don't limit God's power. God's power is limitless. Let us go forth with this new perspective. Will you pray with me? Lord God, how can we understand this? How can we boast in weakness? Why did you design things? so that your power would be perfected in our weakness. It's so humbling. God, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We pray together this day that you would change our perspective on our weakness, on our thorns. That you would let us see pain in a new light that we would see pain as a garden in which your power can grow in our lives. Help us to trust you, God, when we have these thorns. Help us to trust you.